my mother. And if they come this way, we shall see the hunt. And soon the dogs were all tearing down the field of young wheat next to ours. They did not bark, nor howl, nor whine, but kept on a yoo-yoo, yoo-yoo, at the top of their voices. After them came a number of men on horseback, some of them in green coats, all galloping as fast as they could. The old horse snorted and looked eagerly after them, and we young colts wanted to be galloping with them, but they were soon away into the fields lower down. Here it seemed as if they had come to a stand. The dogs left off barking and ran about every way with their noses to the ground. They have lost the scent, said the old horse. Perhaps the hare will get off. But before long the dogs began their yoo-yoo again, and back they came, all together at full speed, making straight for our meadow, at the part where the high bank and hedge overhang the brook. Just then a hare, wild with fright, rushed by and made for the woods. On came the dogs. They burst over the bank, leapt the stream and came dashing across the field, followed by the huntsmen. Six or eight men leapt their horses clean over, close upon the dogs. The hare tried to get through the fence. It was too thick, and she turned sharp round to make for the road. But it was too late. The dogs were upon her with their wild cries. We heard one shriek, and that was the end of her. One of the huntsmen rode up and whipped off the dogs, who would soon have torn her to pieces. He held her up by the leg torn and bleeding, and all the gentlemen seemed well pleased. As for me, I was so astonished that I did not at first see what was going on by the brook. But when I did look, there was a sad sight. Two fine horses were down. One was struggling in the stream, and the other was groaning on the grass. One of the riders was getting out of the water covered with mud. The other lay quite still. His neck is broke, said my mother. I never yet could make out why men are so fond of this sport. They often hurt themselves, often spoil good horses, and all for a hare, or a fox, or a stag. While my mother was saying this, we stood and looked on. Many of the riders had gone to the young man, but my master was the first to raise him. His head fell back, and his arms hung down and everyone looked very serious. They carried him to our master's house. I heard afterwards it was young George Gordon, the squire's only son, a fine, tall young man, and the pride of his family. There was now riding off in all directions, to the doctors, to the farriers, and no doubt to Squire Gordon's, to let him know about his son. When Mr Bond, the farrier, came to look at the black horse that lay groaning on the grass, he felt him all over and shook his head. One of his legs was broken. Then someone ran to our master's house and came back with a gun. Presently there was a loud bang and a dreadful shriek. And then all was still. The black horse moved no more. 
My mother seemed much troubled. She said she had known that horse for years, and that his name was Rob Roy. He was a good horse, and there was no vice in him. She never would go to that part of the field afterward. Not many days after, we heard the church bell tolling for a long time, and looking over the gate, we saw a long, strange black coach that was covered with black cloth and was drawn by black horses. After that came another, and another, and another, and all were black, while the bell kept tolling, tolling. They were carrying young Gordon to the churchyard to bury him. He would never ride again. What they did with Rob Roy, I never knew. But 'twas all for one little hair.